Sister Tashina, good morning. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Um, do you have a title slide? Good morning, everybody. Um, it's such a privilege to be with you another morning, and I continue to be humbled at the opportunity to share what the Lord has laid on my heart. And my title for the message this morning is Bleeding Kindness. Bleeding Kindness. And the text is what was read earlier from Galatians 5, 13 to 18, and 22 to 25. And what was read is the NLT version. Bleeding Kindness. Kindness, as defined by the Oxford Dictionary, is caring about others, being gentle, friendly, and generous. And a website, geneva.edu, defines biblical kindness as being selfless, compassionate, and merciful. And from a biblical point of view, I want to make a distinction between kindness and being nice. Harry Paul Lee, in his book, Fruits of Christ's Presence, says kindness involves more than merely doing nice things. It is possible to do nice things or a good deed without being kind, end quote. And an example is that it's easy for us to do something nice for somebody, but the way we do it may rob them of their dignity and self-respect. So again, niceness or being nice is not the same thing as kindness or being kind. So doing something nice doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something kind. And I believe all of us have a, a basic understanding of what kindness is and know intuitively that we should be kind. But this morning I want us to spend some time examining kindness more deeply. I've been looking into some seas of kindness and it's still okay to show the, the slide when you're ready, Sister Tashina, I'll reference it. I've been looking at some seas of kindness as in the letter C. And I want you to pay attention, before I get into that, I want you to pay attention to the, the, the title slide image. And for those who are listening on Mixelar, excuse me, it's an image of a flowering plant. And the shape of the blossoms, or the flowers rather, on the plant are shaped like a heart. And it has, part of the, the flower has a, 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 what would be like a ball, something like a ball. From it, so it's 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 like a drop. That's a better word. It's like a drop coming from the heart of the flower, and I am drawing your attention to it now because I'm going to reference it later. Thank you, Sister Tashina. So the first point I want to make: the first C of kindness is command. According to Galatians five twenty two, kindness is a fruit of the spirit. But what does that really mean? What, what is a fruit of the Spirit? When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, our bodies become houses of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? John 14, 15 to 17 says, Jesus, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate 
who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So in these scriptures, and there, there are many other references in the Bible, we're being reminded that we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. With the Holy Spirit living in us, then kindness should, em should emanate from us as a fruit of the Holy Spirit that is living in us. Our spirits should be moving in tandem with the Holy Spirit living in us. So whatever comes out of us should be a reflection of our spirit being subject to the Holy Spirit. Another important command that will allow us to bear the fruits of the Spirit is that our hearts need to be purified and we must have the heart of God. We should be constantly praying for the Lord to purify our hearts. So though the Holy Spirit is living in us as Christians, if our hearts are unclean and corrupt, we will not bear the fruits of the Spirit as we should. And in her message last week, Pastor Joy said this, and I quote, the Holy Spirit is not a tenant, he's the owner, end quote. And I will add to that, that what she was referencing is us, occupying us, occupying our hearts. And she went on to say, and I quote, the extent to which we give him room is the extent to which we will look like him, end quote. So what am I saying? To bear the fruit of kindness as commanded in scripture, we need to give God full access to our hearts so the Holy Spirit can occupy our hearts. When he occupies all of our hearts, then we will begin to look like him. And when we look like him, what comes from our hearts will only be what is inside of our hearts, which is him. So when it comes down to kindness, we should be bleeding kindness from our hearts because we have the heart of God. So why is my message titled Bleeding Kindness? The plant that I referenced earlier that you would have seen in the image, the botanical name of that plant is Dicentra spectabilis. That's D-I-C-E-N-T-R-A, S two words, S-P-E-C, T-A-B-I-L-I-S. And the common name for that plant is the bleeding heart plant. And that plant has been found to have many medicinal properties. And from research, it has been found that chewing on the roots of that plant has been known to reduce toothache, calm anxiety, because in it is a, is a it has kind of a dopamine type effect. It helps with depression, relieves some chronic illnesses. It's also used in the form of a root tincture, tincture, T-I-N-C-T-U-R-E. I'll get into that more later. And that tincture is used to help relieve pain and can be applied externally to bruises and sprains and will help in the healing of those. And so I came across this bleeding heart plant and I liken it to us as Christians. Think about the effect that we can have on others if we bleed kindness from our hearts, which if submitted to God is essentially we're bleeding kindness from God's heart. A word of kindness like the bleeding heart plant 
can shift someone from a state of depression. A word of kindness can cause someone who was hopeless to have hope restored because that kindness is coming from our hearts, which is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. An act of kindness can bring joy to someone who otherwise would probably never have experienced it. When kindness bleeds from us, we have an opportunity to allow someone else to experience the heart of God through us. And as obtains with the plant, in the natural, when it is applied to wounds or when it is true, it relieves pain or, or calms anxiety and depression. Spiritually, when we bleed kindness, we too can be an instrument through which God can bring healing and hope to others. So to follow the command to be kind is critical to our lives as believers in Christ Jesus. But guess what? God is not a forceful God. So we have a choice whether or not we want to demonstrate kindness. We have a choice whether or not we bleed kindness. And so my second C to you this morning is choice. And I want us to look at choice in this way. Kindness is only kindness when we're presented with an alternative. Last week, Sister Tamar shared with us in, I think it was in prayer meeting, that joy is only joy because we have experienced sadness. In the absence of sadness, we don't know what joy is. And so kindness is only kindness when we're presented with an alternative. Henry Lee Poe writes, and I quote, just as endurance only becomes a possibility during adversity, kindness only becomes a possibility when someone could be other than kind. Being unkind is a rather obvious alternative to kindness, end quote. So kindness is a choice, that's the point I'm making. And kindness doesn't stand alone. First Corinthians 13 is a well-known scripture on love and verse four says, love is patient, love is kind. Second Corinthians six verse six, Paul also intertwines kindness with patience. So the point here is that kindness is presented as a choice for example, when there's an opportunity to be impatient, patience and kindness go hand in hand. People will do things and they will say things that will hurt us. People will say things and do things that will cut us. Life circumstances will cause hurt and pain and offense. And just as in the natural, when we get cut, we bleed. The bleeding occurs as a result of a wound. But lightening this to the spirit, when we're caught, when we're offended, when we feel disrespected, when we feel insulted, what do we bleed? Do we bleed impatience? Do we bleed hatred, intolerance, anger, vengefulness? Galatians 5, 24 to 25 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. 
essentially this is saying that because we're living by the spirit, we have a choice not to operate from the flesh. I have a choice, you have a choice. And I'm, to demonstrate this, I'm gonna share a real life example of something that happened. And I'm going to name the parties, Richard and Charlene. Richard was referred by someone to do some work for Charlene. And Richard was supposed to come to work at eight o'clock for them to go somewhere else to do what needed to be done. And sometimes Richard doesn't have credit on his phone. So the arrangement was, if you don't have credit, send Charlene a please call and then she will call you or she will call you and you'll say, okay, this is where I am, whatever. He was supposed to get to work at eight. Charlene didn't see him at eight. After eight, still no Richard. Check the text, there was no text from him. She tried calling, there was no answer. She kept calling, there was no answer. Minutes after nine, she decided, listen, I can't be late, so I, I need to go, and Charlene left. And she started doing what needed to be done. After 10, Charlene got a call from the lady who referred Richard. And she said that Richard is at her home, her as in Charlene's home. And Charlene said to the lady, listen, I'm not going back to get him. He needs to learn responsibility. He has a job. If he wants a job, he needs to find his way here. I've been waiting for however long. And she told the lady how long she was waiting. And the lady offered to go and pick up Richard and take him to where Charlene was. But Charlene was so upset that she said, no, 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 he needs to learn responsibility. Let him find his way to where he needs to be. And then after talking to the lady, Charlene called Richard and she got him. And she, Richard is now saying to Charlene, Miss, I'm at your gate. And Charlene said to him, listen, I was waiting for over an hour, so I am gone. So if you want this job today, you need to find yourself to where I am. If you want to walk, swim, drive, what, however you fly, however you are, reach, reach. But I am not coming back there for you. That is what Charlene said to Richard. Eventually, after a while, Richard arrived at the destination. She assumed that he took a taxi. Late the day went on, they did what they needed to do. And later in the day, when Charlene was a little calmer, she asked Richard, so what really happened this morning? And Richard now started to explain. He's 22 years old for context. And he lives in an inner city community. There are always fights and all kinds of things that are going on. And that morning in question, there was a fight between family members and he was caught into it and he had to be the mediator and he was trying to part fight and all of that. In addition to that, he had to borrow money to, to get to where he needed to be. She, he, he continued sharing his story with Charlene. His father was a Don. And for those who are not familiar with the Jamaican vernacular, Don essentially is the, the leader, the godfather, so to speak, of the area. His father was a Don. And so from a tender age, he was exposed to gang war and all of that. His father died. And because he was exposed to all of that, he 
had a gun. Don't know where he got the gun. She, she, she didn't say. And he had a gun. His mother found the gun. And she was so upset that at the age of nine, his mother put him out of the house. So from the age of nine years old, Richard was essentially on his his own. He was bouncing from place to place, stayed with this person, stayed with that person. And eventually he got caught up in the gang, gang life. Cut a long story short, he eventually got saved, went to church, the church embraced him and started taking care of him. And he wanted to make, or he wants to make something of himself. So he started a skills training program. And so when he got the call from the lady that Charlene had a job for him, temporary, but he would be getting money nonetheless. He was happy because he had some stuff that he needed to buy the following week to go to school and he needed the money to buy that. So in all of the discussion, this is what Charlene found out about Richard. Here it is, Charlene was upset because Richard didn't come to work on time, not knowing his backstory, not knowing what he had to go through to even get there the morning. Fast forward, a week later, Charlie needed Richard to do another day's work. And they made the arrangement, Richard was supposed to come to work for nine. Again, same arrangement, text or, or, or Charlie will call him. Nine came after nine, minutes to 10, nothing. Finally, she got him almost 10 o'clock and he said to her that he's going to be a little late. So she said, a little late? It's almost an hour. Anyway, she said, when you get here, we'll talk. And that was it. In Charlene's mind, she now felt slighted because here it is, he's supposed to come to work at nine o'clock and he, he, he called Minister 10, but he would reach until sometime after. So she, in her mind, decided that, listen, you're not going to pull one over on me. I am paying you for X number of hours in the day. This is what I'm paying you. So I'm going to dock your pay by the number of hours that you're late. And she calculated it and decided this is what she was going to do. When Richard got to Charlene, he looked out of sorts. And she said to him, what happened? And he said to Charlene, we faint this morning and my family them not have to take me up. And he showed her some scrapes and bruises on his arms. So she said to him, but so why you bother come to work if you're not well? well you know what? He said he needs the money. When she asked and probed a little further, Richard told Charlene that he had not eaten for two days. And so he was weak and he was tired and he, was, he just was out of sorts, had not eaten for two days. But he was so desperate for the job that in spite of all of that, he found his way, albeit late, but he found his way because he was desperate for the job. This broke Charlene's heart. And remember, this is somebody who was now planning to dock his pay and all of that and all of that. But she was so moved by Richard's story 
that she made him tea, made him breakfast, offered for him to lie down. And all he said, no, he didn't want to lie down. You know, as soon as he got back his strength, he would start to work and all of that. Charlene is a Christian. And in both instances, Charlene was faced with a choice. She could choose to bleed impatience, intolerance, sticking to principle, wanting to teach him a lesson, or she could choose to be kind. In the first instance, she made the wrong choice. Excuse me. In the second instance, she was also faced with a choice. She could choose to bleed kindness by showing patience and finding out what happened, or she could choose to bleed vengefulness and say, okay, I'm going to dock your pay without even knowing the situation. My question to you this morning is, do you see yourself in any of those stories? What did you bleed when you felt slighted? What did you bleed when you felt disrespected? What did you bleed when you felt taken advantage of? Did you bleed kindness or something else? Did you bleed something else that isn't, was not a fruit of the spirit that is living inside of you? Which choice did you make? Well, guess what? I made the wrong choice because I am Charlene. In the real life story, I am Charlene. I was the one who hired that young man to come and work. And all of what I shared was my experience. And from that experience, the Lord started to remind me, like Harry Lee Poe said in his book, kindness has its greatest opportunity for expression in difficult situations. I had a choice. I could choose whether to be kind or unkind. And I made the wrong choice. Let us go back to the bleeding heart plant. One of the things that struck me about the bleeding heart plant is how it is used as a tincture. Remember I mentioned that earlier. A bleeding heart tincture is a concentrated herbal extract made by soaking the roots of the plant in vinegar. And the vinegar pulls out the active ingredients in the plant and concentrates them in the liquid. And it is this liquid that is then apply, applied to joints and wounds and so on. And that liquid has healing properties. God can use us to be a source of hope, healing, comfort, encouragement, peace to those who we believe do not deserve it. But like the bleeding heart root, for our tincture to become potent, we have to be placed in situations that are unpleasant. We have to be placed in some situations that can be likened to vinegar. We have to face some people that to us, their taste is like vinegar. I can't even stand the smell of vinegar, let alone the taste of it by itself. But I must be immersed in vinegar to transform it from its unpleasant form to something with potent properties that can bring about change in somebody's life. It is full time as Christians that we stop running from situations and stop running from people that we think are vinegar. And it's time that we embrace them because it's an opportunity God is presenting to us to bring about transformation in their lives. If they are vinegar and we bleed the opposite of kindness, then nobody is better off. And we miss an opportunity 
to be Christ's ambassadors. The norm is tit for tat. The norm says what you dish out, I'm going to give you back. The norm says I need to put you in your place and let you know you cannot walk all over me. The norm says, how dare you? If you cut me, I will bleed and you're not going to like it. But Pastor joined her message last week said, and I quote, we are called to live counterculturally, end quote. As Christ ambassadors, we cannot conform to the norm. And you may very much feel justified in doing or saying what you, your flesh wants you to do, you know. And by the world standards, you may very well have the right to do so. You may have the right to respond harshly. You may have the right by the world standards to put somebody in their place. You may have the right by the world standards to dock somebody's pay because they're late. But when you get wounded, you get to choose what you bleed. And my challenge to you this morning is bleed kindness. We get an opportunity to show kindness when we think it is least deserved. Because like Pastor Joy said, we are abiding ambassadors of Christ and we should at all times represent him. Why? Because when we least deserved it, Christ was kind to us and is kind to us. And you may be thinking, boy, this is hard. And yes, if you try to do it on your own, it is hard because it's not by our own efforts. But remember the, the text that was read earlier. Verse 13 says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Verses 15 to 18. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So when we yield to the Holy Spirit, we can choose to bleed kindness because it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to do so. And that leads, leads me now to the third C that I want to look at. I've established that kindness is a command. I've established that kindness is a choice. But the reality for all of us is that though we may choose to bleed kindness, for some of us, we're not consistent. So the third C that I want to look at is being consistent. We have to be consistent. So for some of us, we may not necessarily struggle with doing acts of kindness or speaking words of kindness. That, that's not a struggle. The struggle comes when we're challenged to do so consistently. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Do you bleed kindness consistently? I'll share another story. Again, this is me. And, you know, I, I, at one point I had to stop and laugh because while I was preparing this message, it's like the Lord was saying, all right, well, I really going to teach you about this kindness thing. I live this message. I had an issue with my credit card. There was a fraudulent charge that I discovered on my card. And call the bank, call their customer service um, center. and 
with the intention of reporting it and, and doing the necessary. The agent who answered has a heavy Spanish accent and she was moderately fluent in English. So she had a difficulty understanding me. I had a difficulty understanding her. And we went through the whole process and eventually she advised as is, is customary that the card would be closed and a new card would be issued. And they have a standard long statement that they need to read to you. And at the end of it, you need to agree. You know, the, the thing, you know, they're going to do the investigation if they realize that it was an, an intentional charge, whatever, whatever, you know, the usual. And so she said that she, she asked me to listen to what she was reading or was going to read. And if I have any questions, ask her the questions when she's finished. In other words, don't interrupt her. And remember, this was a long statement. So she read and I listened. And there was something in her statement that I did not understand, but I waited until she was finished. And when she was finished, I asked her, no, when she was finished, she said, do you accept? And I said to her, this, this thing I don't understand. And I asked her to explain. And she said, okay, Miss Burke, let me read it again. I said, I'm saying, I don't want you to read it again. I heard it. I just don't understand what it means. And she read the whole thing again without explaining that specific thing that I asked about. And I was tempted in that moment to make an issue of it because I was becoming annoyed. But the Holy Spirit arrested me in that moment. And I patiently listened to her. And when she was done, she asked again, do you accept? And I said, yes, I accept. Because you know what? What I didn't understand wasn't that big of a deal. And I recognized something. English is obviously not her mother tongue. She works for the bank as a customer service agent. She probably had no choice in being assigned to cover a country that is a non-Spanish speaking country. And so I had a choice whether I was going to be kind and patient or unkind and impatient. And by the leading of the Holy Spirit, when she was finished, I said to her, I realize English is not your first language, but I appreciate your efforts. And this was her response. And I wrote it down because in that instant, I knew the Lord was saying to me, this is something I needed to share. This was her response. And I quote, thank you, miss. It made me feel very good and working to be better every day. That melted my heart because I realized what I said to her made a difference. It made her feel good. And you've listened to this story and you may be thinking, but, but this sounds like the choice point, it's on like number two. I had a choice whether to be kind or unkind, but this story doesn't end there. Two days later, I logged back into my account and I saw a new charge on my statement, lost stolen card fee plus tax. So because the old card was canceled, they now had to issue a new card. And in issuing a new card, they're now saying that I lost my card or the card was stolen and they're charging me a fee for that. No, you know, so I wasn't pleased. I call them back and explain the situation and requested that the charge be reversed. Again, I was speaking with a non-English mother tongue agent 
And he did not understand what I was saying. So he said, you're calling to report a fraud? I said, no, I've already reported the fraud. And I went through the whole thing over again. And he said, okay, he will re request a reversal. Ended the call. Three days later, I went in branch to pick up the new card. Activated it, attempted to use it. I had an issue. I had to call them back again about this issue. And I had to go through the whole thing again. And the, the person said something that it just triggered me. I said, no, man, enough is enough. Third time, no, this is it. I've had enough of this. I can't deal with this three times in one week. And as I was talking to him, and I was not kind in what I was saying to him, the Holy Spirit arrested me. And here it is, I was thinking that three times is enough. You know what the Lord said to me? Oh, so you put a quota on kindness? I was dumbfounded. After the call ended, I was so convicted. So as the Holy Spirit asked me, I'm asking you this morning, have you put a quota on kindness? How many times is enough? What's the cutoff? One time, two times, three times? Well, you said, no, I've had enough. After three times, you now feel like you have the right to give them a piece of your mind. The Lord is saying to us this morning, no, we need to be consistently kind. What if on the way to Calvary, Jesus said, no, man, I've had enough. I've put up with enough of this whipping. I've, I've put up with enough of them spitting on me. I haven't done it. What did I do? I did nothing wrong. The problem with us as Christians is that we still operate from our flesh and not from our spirit. So when we bleed, we bleed what is in our hearts, which is not fully occupied by the Holy Spirit. It's time that as a body of Christ, we start a revolution of kindness. Society has normalized rudeness. Society has normalized anger. Society has normalized intolerance. Society has normalized impatience, not to mention social media. Social media has popularized unkindness. So much so that we're constantly being fed an appetite of rude, insensitive, and unkind content. The more outrageous, the more likes, and the more views. And we know that there are opportunities for people to make money with a lot of followers and a lot of views. So the, the worse it is, the better it is. Society has monetized being unkind. And it is up to us as Christians to be the agents of change. Let us not get caught up in the web and become consumers so much so that we adapt our behavior without even realizing it. We adapt our behavior to what is considered normal by society. It has gotten to the point where persons become suspicious when they experience acts of kindness because it is no longer the norm. And I'm going to give you another example of something someone shared with me, and this is not me now, something someone shared with me last week. He has a worker and the worker came to the job and the guy looked weak and just out of it. And he went to him and he said, you all right? You, you want something to eat or you, or you look so? Excuse me. And he asked the guy, you want something to eat? The guy said, 
no, you know, my dog, I'm all right. I'm all right. And he said, but you know, look okay, what happened? He said, dog, just love me, no man, I'm all right, man, we're good. And he said he persisted because the guy didn't look okay. You know what the, the young man said to him? He said, look, yo, dog, you know, look, man, you know, just love me, no man. And for those who are who, who don't understand Patra, he's saying to me to him, leave him alone. He, he he's not into men, so just leave him alone. Why? Because he became suspicious. This man was trying to be kind to him, and he became suspicious because he's not accustomed to kindness. Another worker, a few minutes after the conversation ended, went to the boss and said, Listen, he wanted food and I'm hungry. But I don't know how to say it. Imagine that. And that happened because this young man is not accustomed to acts of kindness. He also shared with me, same job. There were two young ladies working for him, twins. And he planned, he, he called their mother, young, young, young ladies, he called their mother, mother, and he secretly planned with their mother to have a party for them at the, at the workplace. They didn't want to go to work that day, but she, she, because she knew what was afoot, she convinced them to go. And they went, he threw them the party, bought cake, they're singing happy birthday, everything, and they had a good time. But you know what happened after that? He said they never came back to work. The first day, okay, one day no happened. But then he said, no, 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 something not right. And he called their mother and he said to their mother, what happened? They haven't come back to work. This blew my mind. The mother said to them that they were afraid that he was softening them up to win them over so that he can sacrifice them. You hear me? That is what they're accustomed to in their community. The dons buy them phone, they do these all things to, to, to be nice to them, to win them over so that they can sacrifice them. These young ladies were not accustomed to genuine Holy Spirit-driven kindness. And so this was, was their response. Kindness was not the norm for them. So he decided to go to them and he had a chat with them and he eventually got an opportunity or they, they, they accepted what he said. Listen, this is genuine. I'm a man of God. I'm a child of God. And I'm doing this out of genuine care. And I did it out of genuine care and, and, and concern for you, not concern, love for you. There's no ulterior motive behind it. And that is what convinced them that he did it from a pure motive. We need to be consistently kind to bring about a revolution of kindness in our society. Why? Because persons like these young people I, 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 I shared the story of, don't, they're not accustomed to that. And we are the ones who are going to bring about that change. And so if you were to be honest with yourself this morning, where are you? Do you consistently be kindness? Or is something else coming out of you? Are you an agent that the Lord is using to show kindness to persons like the young man or like the twins? Or do you miss those opportunities because you're operating from your flesh? Is it that instead of being a change agent, you have consumed so much of what the negative is offering 
that you have adapted and become like the world? And I want you to listen to this last fact about the bleeding heart plant. There are about 20, over 20 rather, known species of this plant. And the University of Arkansas Division of Agriculture found that the bleeding heart plant is an outlier from most other species of plants. In other words, the bleeding heart plant defies the norm. They found that unlike most other species of plants, the bleeding heart plant is remarkably uniform in its characteristics. It apparently cannot be crossed with other species, so there are no hybrids available. And hybrids is when you cross-pollinate or cross-breed two different varieties of the same plant. And as I read this, the Lord gave me a revelation. As Christians, we should be outliers. As Christians, we should be so consistent and different that we cannot be contaminated by the world. In, in other words, irrespective of what our circumstances are or who we encounter, we need to remain consistent. Whether you have to call three times about the same thing or whether it is that you are annoyed because somebody didn't do what they're supposed to do, we're called to be consistently kind. The, the opportunity will present itself and we, we, we have discernment. So we know when discipline is necessary. We know when that difficult conversation is necessary. But the underlying principle is that what we do must be driven by kindness. We're called to bleed kindness no matter what. Cross-breeding for Christians means applying a little kindness now, but a little later we apply a little anger, we apply some impatience, then some judgment, and the list goes on and on. Doing that will never produce anything that is godly. Luke 16 verse 13 and Matthew 6 verse 24 says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Being inconsistent in our demonstration of kindness to teach Sorry, being inconsistent in our demonstration of kindness to each other means that we're choosing flesh over the spirit. And whether or not we want to admit it, we will love one and despise the other. We can't, we, it can't be both. That's scriptural. So when we leave room or invite or entertain the corruptible, then we begin to displace the Holy Spirit that is in us. Again, Remember what Pastor Joy said, the extent to which we give him room is the extent to which we will look more like him. When the Holy Spirit fully occupies our hearts, then we bleed, when we bleed rather, we can only bleed what is in our hearts, which is kindness, because God is kindness. So as I close, I want to, to, to wrap this up. We've, I've looked at the three C's of kindness. It's a command, we have a choice, and we should be consistent. And I'm gonna paint a, a picture from biology. And as I share, I will, I'm challenging you to identify where you are. 
I'll set it up by sharing a little bit about the biology of the heart and bleeding. Bleeding occurs as a result of the heart pumping blood through our bodies. We can only bleed if the heart is pumping. Once the heart is pumping, if we get caught, we will bleed. And when we bleed, we bleed the blood that is being circulated by our hearts. Once the heart stops pumping, then we are dead and we will not bleed. When someone dies in the natural, they go through four stages of what is called mortis. And as I share this, I want you to look at it from a spiritual point of view. There is palomortis, P-A-L-L-O-R, liver mortis, L-I-V-O-R, and mortis is M-O-R-T-I-S. So there's palomortis, liver mortis, rigor mortis, R-I-G-O-R, which is what I was familiar with when I saw the others, like, okay. And then there is algor mortis, A-L-G-O-R. Palomortis is the first visible change to the body. And it occurs 15 to 20 minutes after death. At this stage, the body begins to get pale. Palomortis occurs because blood stops moving through the capillaries, which are the smallest blood vessels in the body. When we fall short in any or all of the seas that I spoke about, we're beginning to experience spiritual palomortis. It means that we have uninvited God. We have uninvited the Holy Spirit from occupying our hearts and spiritually our hearts begin to stop pumping blood. We're beginning to pale. Are you in the palomortis stage today? What are those around you seeing? Could they possibly be looking on and wondering what has changed in her? What has changed in him? They're not quite seeing the staunch evidence of death, but something about you is suspicious because you have displaced the Holy Spirit in your heart and you are becoming spiritually dead. The second stage is liver mortis. And liver mortis is where the heart stops pumping blood and the blood starts accumulating within the blood vessels as a result of gravity. And in the liver mortis stage, the skin starts getting dark. There's a darkening of the skin. Maybe it is you have passed palomortis and you're now in spiritual liver mortis. It is evident that what used to be a consistent flow of blood in you has stopped and you're now appearing dark. Your behavior is dark. Your words are dark. Your attitude is dark. It is more and more evident that you're no longer bearing fruits of the spirit. Then there's rigor mortis. What's the difference between liver mortis and rigor mortis? Rigor mortis refers to the stiffening of the muscles. Are you in rigor mortis? Have you so given into the flesh and displaced the Holy Spirit from your heart that you have now advanced to a stage of spiritual rigor mortis? You are stiff, you are lifeless, 
nobody who has an encounter with you walks away having experienced the richness of God in you. And finally, there's alba mortis. And this is a process where the body begins to cool after death. It becomes cold to the touch. Is that you this morning in spiritual alba mortis? And we may be tempted to say, oh, no, not me. I'm kind. I've been kindness all day long. But remember the scripture that was read earlier, the fruit of the spirit do not operate in isolation. They're intertwined. All of them are intertwined. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So before you excuse yourself from all of these stages of mortis, examine where you fall short. Falling short in any area is an indication that the Holy Spirit does not fully occupy our hearts. Let us invite the Lord to reveal where we are weak, because over time, we could very well be moving through the phase four stages of spiritual death. Your heart may be pumping in the natural, and if you're caught in the natural, you'll bleed, but spiritually, you're dead. And when life cuts you, what you bleed is ungodly. And there may be those who are listening this morning who you do not have a relationship with God. You have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior. You may even have had the unfortunate encounter with persons like me who profess to be Christians, but do not consistently be kindness and the other fruits of the spirit. And so you become jaded and you want nothing to do with this Christ that we're talking about. If that is you this morning, I apologize on behalf of us Christians who have hurt you. But do not let those experiences rob you of the chance to have a relationship with the God that created you. The God that loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. So I'm extending an invitation to you this morning. And in closing, I invite you, if you are that person this morning, whether it is you're on Mixlr, whether you may be listening to the delayed broadcast that will be published, whether it is you're listening to SoundCloud, whatever form you're listening, I invite you to say this simple prayer with me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died and rose from the dead to give me the opportunity to become a child of God. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. And if you said that prayer, I'm inviting you to give us a call or WhatsApp us at 469-333-0397. Or you may drop us an email at newhorizonmin, that's newhorizonmin at gmail.com. And we'd be more than happy to pray with you and shepherd you, disciple you. Thank you for listening. God bless you.
Amen.